I don't know whether you noticed this, but uh, the, the, the title for my sermon this morning was Meltdown. <laughs> and guys, uh, an hour and a half ago, when I'm sitting uh, here just tormented as to what I should do, here's what kind of led to my, uh, my decision to, uh, to not preach from Job 3. Uh, if you know anything about Job 3, I mean, if you've read it, um, it's probably the darkest portion of the whole book. It's, um, it is a meltdown on the part of Job. It's the place where he, um, he curses the, the day of his birth. He, he wants to die. And, and um, so there's some, there's some issues that are surrounding Job chapter 3 that are, that are pretty important and, and pretty um, uh, risky. Um, one being suicide, that I just didn't feel comfortable in, in, in trying to deal with in the dark, you know, and, and deal with hurriedly. And, of course, we had all the kids in here, and it just made it, made it difficult. And so partly because of the content of, um, of Job chapter 3, I, I decided that it would be unwise to try and treat it. So then, of course, we had the, um, the other problems, and so we're... We're not going to do it. We'll, Lord willing, we'll come back to it next week. Um, I am going to uh, go to Puerto Rico for a little week's vacation since my sermon is already prepared. Uh, that's just a joke. Um, but anyway, um, what I wanted to do, just ever so briefly with you, is, is tell you a little something that, that uh, I wrestled with this week. Guys, back when I was in seminary, and, and you know, we're talking in the 70s, um, there was a man who was kind of considered the the guru when it came to when it came to Christian counseling. Uh, his name was Jay Adams. Uh, he had written he wrote a, a landmark book entitled Competent to Counsel, which everybody read. I mean, uh, and of course, not being a very skilled or proficient uh, counselor, I read it because I wanted any help I could get uh, uh, over this portion of the job description known as counseling. So um, uh, at my seminary, the seminary invited uh, Jay Adams to come speak on the seminary campus. And so I, of course, went to hear Jay Adams because he was so much uh, um, looked upon or in terms of the counseling role of the church. And when I went, uh, interestingly enough, he didn't talk about counseling at all. He talked about, um, he, was, he was speaking to a group of seminarians, I being one of them, and um, he gave us some counsel. He gave us some advice. And uh, one of the pieces of advice that he, um, that he gave us has shaped me ever since I heard it. And, and what, what he told us then was that the most important thing that we could do to prepare ourselves for a life of gospel ministry is to discipline ourselves in terms of daily time with God. And you know, guys, I walked away from there uh, uh, believing that he was right. And uh, one of the things that God has honored throughout 40 years of ministry is that uh, I, I pretty rigorously, um, each morning, have a time spent with God. Uh, sometimes it's shorter than others, sometimes it's more beneficial than others, but to most every day, there's, um, there's just this, I'm not looking for sermon material, it's just looking to have God feed my own soul. 
And on uh, Thursday, uh, there was something in particular that was, partic- uh, was unusually stimulating for me, and, and um, I couldn't wait to write down my thoughts. And so um, it had, it, it's out of Psalm 25, and, I, and I, if you want to look at Psalm 25, I'm not even going to read the whole psalm. Back in the first hour, I couldn't even see it very well. They had all these lights trained on me, and, and I didn't have my glasses. I could barely see the thing. But there was a couple of statements in it that, that were, uh, there's several parts about it that, that were moving, but one in particular, the thing that I think explains why I was so drawn to it. Um, and and it, it, it begins in verse 4 uh, of Psalm 25. And, and let me just read you verses 4 and 5 and, and make a comment or two, and then we'll be done. But um, the psalmist says in, in verse 4, he says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Guys, I want to suggest to you that that was the reason that I was so drawn to this psalm. Because there are three things in there that I pray for frequently. But you know what? I don't think, I'm probably not the only one in this room that pray for these things. Make me to know your paths, O Lord. Teach me. Uh, Guide me. Lead me. You know, folks, um, particularly those of you who are parents, I mean, you know that this is difficult stuff where you're doing, you know, uh, that, that parenting business. That is not easy. And it gets more, it was hard when Susie and I did it. It's much harder now. And so I bet you that maybe, maybe it's not over parenting. Maybe it's over business, uh, matters. I, I don't know. But I bet you that I'm not the only one in this room that is constantly praying this. Lord, would you lead me? Lord, would you teach me? Lord, would you make me to know your paths? You've got to instruct me or I've got nothing to say. You know, one of my heroes is R.C. Sproul, as you know. And R.C. used to say that he couldn't be a senior pastor because uh, he tried it and he lasted about seven years. And then he found out that he was repeating himself because that's all he had information for was for seven years. Well, I've been here 21. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying that if you're going to, if you're going to be around a while... There's this ongoing, constant necessity of God's to teach us something. Lord, teach me something so I can teach them something. Lord, would you make me to know your paths? Lord, would you lead me? Do you ever pray that? I bet you do. I bet you you're in situations where you're wondering, God, if you'd only tell me what step to take next, would you? Would you please? Well, I say all of that simply to say that's, that's what drew me to the psalm. That's what was so moving that the psalmist, guys, this is David. This is the guy, as you know, is called the man after God's own heart and all that. But David recognizes, oh, God, king of Israel, would you make me to know your paths? Would you, would you teach me? Would you lead me? That's David. And so David is praying it. And I pray it. I pray it a lot. I pray it a lot, a lot, a lot. And, and, and I bet you pray it some as well. Well, the psalm goes on. And um, 
there's several things that I would love to draw your attention to, but I'm not going to take the time to do it. I'm just going to draw your attention to the one thing that relates to verses 4 and 5, and it's in verses 8 and 9. Because it's almost as if, I mean, David is the one that's answering, or David is the one that is writing this, but it's almost as if God is the one that it's answering. David is writing in verse 8 when he says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Here it is. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. You know, up here in verses 4 and 5, he's, he's prayed for, he's prayed that God would lead him and he's prayed that God would teach him. And then in verse 9, he says, here's who God leads and here's, who's, here, here's who God teaches. Do you know who those people are? They're the humble. Who does God teach? Who does God lead? He leads humble people. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're if you're wanting to pray this, let me just say you can you can hold off on praying that. I'll tell you what to pursue. Pursue humility. You want leadership? Sure you do. You lack wisdom? Yeah, you do, like the rest of us. Would you like to know the the ways of the Lord? I bet you would. Well, the psalmist says, those things are made available to humble people. So now you know, ladies and gentlemen, now you know why there's such a dearth of wisdom in the Christian church. Now you know why your families, our families, make such foolish choices and get themselves into such unbelievable messes. Now you know why so many choices that are made by well-intentioned, saved people are such foolish decisions. Because the absence, the absence has to do with humility. The reason that we're not led, the reason that we're not taught, the reason that we don't know His ways. Because first and foremost, we're not humble people. Humility is for somebody else. It's for the weak. It's not for us. And so guys, if you want to pray this along with other brothers and sisters in this room, Go right ahead. Ask God to give it to you. But just know this. He told you in this psalm who He's going to give it to. He's already told you. So apart from humility, pray it all you like. But we're still going to be without it. The thing that all of us need to pursue, my brother and sister in Christ, And we can never have enough of it. It's humility. Our Father, we're um, we're a pretty self-confident people. We love being in charge. We love 
people calling us boss. We love um, the applause of people who think we're really hot shots. And we're not. And if you don't give us um, these things, O oh God, we will not have them. And so, Lord, as a congregation, as, um, as an individual believer, we want to put ourselves on the course of pursuing that very thing that leads to wisdom and leads to instruction. We want to put ourselves on the course of seeking humility. Teach us what it means, Father, to humble ourselves in, in the sight of the Lord. Teach us the beauty of humility. Because it's to that that you attach a promise of grace. And then you warn us by saying you resist the proud. Lord, the last thing we need is to be resisted by you. So would you stir in your people a great desire and a great interest in the pursuit of humility. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.